Turn in your Bibles, if you haven't already, to Luke's Gospel chapter. We're picking it up at verse 11. Familiar story to many of us, but yet it's so powerful. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourself unto the priests. And it came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. He fell down on his face at his feet, giving thanks, or giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, where, where are there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger, this Samaritan. So he said unto him, arise and go your way. Your faith has made thee whole. Would you be kind enough and stand with me once more, Bible in hand, let's pray over this text. Father God, again, Lord, because we so honor your word and, and we, Lord, if, if you have, you said, Lord, that you take your word, you esteem it even above your own name. So, Lord, we stand in reverence, fear, Lord, saying, take your word, Lord, and please anoint it that it might just not just go to our heads, Father, but down into our hearts as well, that it would that it would be, Father, something in our lives that would make us, Lord, more like you. So again, we just take this short period of time and ask for your anointing upon our ears to hear. We love you in Jesus' name. Everyone said together, amen. amen. Thank you. <clears throat> Several years ago, a long time ago, probably goes all the way back when we, when we were in Deptford, running out of a small parochial school. I remember sitting down with a couple, and they had been married for a good period of time, and just a lovely couple. I said they were going through some difficulties. And so as we were chatting, and I just couldn't get my, I couldn't get rhyme and reason for why we were even meeting. They just seemed like they, they were lovely and just good couple and God-fearing and good. And, and, and I said, well, if you could just, to help me, if you could just put it in a nutshell, what is your problem? I, I said this to the wife. She goes, Harry, I just feel like I'm being taken for granted. No, well, the husband turned around with this puzzled look. He goes, oh, I know he loves me, and I, I, I know he's a great provider, but he just takes me for granted. I don't get thanks anymore. I don't, he doesn't recognize what I do. It seems like the more we grow together and live together and raise our kids, it just seems really we, we are falling further and further apart. Well, I share that little story with you because that's what this text is about. 
See, we read this story, and many times, if you've been around the block a few times, you know a lot of pastors, teachers will go, look at the analogies and look at the typology of this. And they look at leprosy as a type of sin, what sin does to a believer. And and, and honestly, guys, you can make a solid Bible study out of this text. We can go all the way back to Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, and and I'll mention it. We won't turn there, but I'll mention this ceremony that they would call the day of his cleansing. Well, with that being said, let's just dive right into it in verse 11. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Now listen, gang, he is in the northern area of Israel. He's going to travel through the center, through Samaria, but eventually he is going to end up in Jerusalem. This will be his last trip. Remember, over the past year or so, we've been studying the life and the ministry of Jesus in chronological order, and this is where we're at in our, in our divine timeline, as it were. Jesus said in another place in the gospel where he says that he set his face of flint. My old King James mean his face was heading towards Jerusalem and he was not going to get distracted. He wasn't going to detour. He was going to Jerusalem knowing, by the way, the reasons why he was going and what waited, waited for him. He's making this journey with all this heaviness of heart. You know, he knows he's heading towards the cross. He's well familiar with Psalms chapter 22 where it says they pierced my hands and my feet. He knows exactly. He knows he's going to pray in a garden where he's going to ask God to, you know, to remove this cup. So because he is not just full of God in human form, he is also fully human. And he has all kinds of emotions, and, and in knowing even though when he does get there, there are going to be those who oppose him, they're going to want to kill him. And it's not, they, they don't want to just kill him before, because of just, they have no good reasons. They're, they're threatened by his teaching, they're threatened by the purity of his life, they're threatened by the miracles that he performs, they're really threatened about this constant stream of changed lives that's happening left and right all around him, no matter where he goes, people's lives are being changed. And these, this religious group does not like that. Mostly, they're threatened by the popularity that has, especially among the common people, people like you and I. They just did not know it. And he knows this hatred is waiting for him in Jerusalem. And all this going around in his head, he still makes this travel. And as he's making this travel, he comes through this village where he meets up with ten men. We're told there in verse 12. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off, and as they lifted up their voice, they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, I notice in that verse there, verse 12, that phrase, they stood, they stood afar off. And actually, guys, that word, afar off, really does encapsulate the life of someone who's been infected with this disease, leprosy. They, and, and for most reasons, it was a dreaded disease, you know, for obvious reasons. Pardon me, it was dreaded. They knew there was no cure. They knew the ramifications because they understood the Le- Levitical law, the Mosaic law, as it, was, as it relates to somebody who might, even might have um, contracted leprosy. Um, 
Is there leprosy today? Well, there is. There is. It's called Hansen's disease today. It is caused by something called a microbacterium uh, labrium um, where it's, you can, there is no cure. Even today, there's no cure for it. We can arrest it. We can put it in remission by certain vaccines and medications, but there is no cure even today for that. When we study the Old Testament, and as, as well as the New Testament, we can almost, almost to a T, understand a little bit what their lives were like. It was a harsh life that the life of a leopard had to live. And, and then um, these, ten, these 10 men who was with this leprosy, what was it like for them? Okay, for, for first of all, when someone came down with leprosy, the first thing they would experience is, is a tiredness, you know, uh, uh, and it would come on them quite quickly. They would have to sit. They would have to take nap. They would just, just extreme, and their and their joints and their and would be in 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 pain. And I, you probably say, "Well, that's me. Do I got leprosy? Can't, I'm always tired. I got pain all over." No, you you don't have leprosy. Um, uh, but but the joints do become very painful. And then the next thing you'll notice on someone that's infected with this, they begin to display white spots, almost in a rash form, on their back. The white spots would turn pink, then pink to a brownish color. And then their skin would become very thick, almost leather-like, real rough-looking. They begin to show on their faces these lumps, especially on the creases of their cheeks and the creases of their forehead. Any place where the skin uh, wrinkles naturally, these lumps would start to appear. Um, they would lose their, eye, their eyebrows. They would lose their eyelids, pardon me. Hair would turn this really weird shade of white. Not gray like someone's getting older, but like almost a ghostly white. Um, they, get, they have this appearance almost lion-like. They're so disfigured by this time do, during this course. They become very li, uh, 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 lion-like. Uh, also, the, the, the lumps that are now all over his body, they begin to become ulcerated and they begin to weep. And the one thing that's really prominent is the stench is the stench of these poor people. Because the eyelids are removed, the tear ducts are, are affected. Now, they're, 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 this disease hits the eyes, and most likely they become blind. I, 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 I kind of went through some pictures, Googled it, and it's true. Wherever you see a leper, if it's in the late stages of it, either one eye is real milky, glossy, or both of them are. And so they can't see either. Um, the, the, after the, the kind of the outward physical effect from this leprosy, it then attacks the nervous system. And, um, you know, because the disease likes the cooler parts of the body to settle into, it'll settle into the extremities of the body, like your fingers and your nose and um, your toes and all, and they're the first things that kind of um, are that are affected. And because it attacks the nervous system, um, the the leper will lose all sense of 
pain. There's no pain sensation. So they could be walking down a path. They could clip their foot on maybe a corner of a a building, not knowing that they opened a sewer on their foot until they look down and see blood behind them. They they wouldn't even know it. Or if they burnt their hands trying to cook something, again, no sensation. Infections sets in. And there's all kinds of problems that are compounded. And of course, you've seen Ben-Hur, the movie, and see how the, it, the lepers displayed in that movie. They have wrappings all around them. That is very accurate, by the way. Even in modern days today, when um, there was a, a lady always placed in this place in Kathmandu where I would go uh, into, into the city, She's, and she was there every year begging. And um, and that was her. She'd have her hands wrapped, her feet wrapped. Every year I could see the progression of this disease upon her, where she one year I noticed she still had her nose, and then the following year that was missing, the year started. And it was really, really sad to see. Um, even today, um, Jerry takes a group. I went with him last year, and we visit in Nepal a leper colony. And this is a more or less a housing for them, and uh, they're all put there. And even the even the um, uh, the nation of Nepal, they they try humanitarian um, to reach out to them. There's churches that go in there. We went in with hot waters because we had hot water systems, because we had found out some of these dear people were taking showers in the winter months coming down with pneumonia, dying as a result. So Jerry was praying about it, came up with this idea. So right now we have installed two hot water systems, and they're communally used together. Um, But uh, the reason uh, they're there is because these mountain people who live up in a mountain, if they come down with the Hansen disease... um, because they're up in the mountain, they, can't, they don't have money. They can't get on a bus. They won't make it to town until somebody finds them. This disease has gone so far that everyone I've seen in the colony or in this housing development, none of them had fingers, none of them had feet, and they were, but they were the most happiest people I ever met in my life. You know, they sat with you. They tried to laugh with you. They were trying to eat their rice. I just, you would never see. They had children. And it's just something to see. And to see the church pouring its love out on these dear people. But anyway. Um, there were several consequences to the leper. Of course, one, the first one was the consequence, a physical consequence. Um, secondly, the, the second consequence was a social one in um, socially, the greatest challenge for them was um, complete isolation. They were totally isolated. Uh, that goes all the way back to Levitical law. If they were discovered with a, any kind of spots and they, they were presented as a possibility of having the disease, the priest then would isolate them. And then if the disease continued to grow and they, and they started to display other things, then it would, they, he would, they would be isolated even more. And so socially, they were just totally uh, isolated. And, uh, and I get it, gang, in that culture, you know, they don't know how the d- disease spread back then. They knew there was no cure for that. So to quarantine them, to isolate them, um, probably just makes sense for them. Um, th- one of the things is that they, they could not um, 
They could not touch a non-leper. They couldn't touch anyone. You think about that. You talk about socially speaking. You talk about the isolation. It's very possible someone could contract that disease much later on in their lives, and they might have been married. They might have had children. They might have worked with other other people. Then all of a sudden, they're presented to the priest, and the priest says, "No, you 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 you're a leper." Now he can't, he can't touch someone. He can't hug his children. He's not allowed to embrace his wife. And uh, I don't know. You, you read something like that, and, and in our hearts, we go, Lord, help us never to take for granted our health. We can hug people. We can shake hands. We can embrace one another, you know. But for these dear people, there was no such thing. No. Now Listen. It is true, and it's very, very scripturally accurate and all, to, to see the similarities between leprosy and sin. If you think about what, what does um, unconfessed sin do to us, well, it does make us blind. So much more that God wants, to, wants us to see, and we can't because of unconfessed sin, if that's the case. We lose sensation. We lose touch. We, lo- we actually lose reality with God because, you know, we're dealing with things in our hearts and what he wants us to praise him and to adore him, but we can't. We become desensitized to things and stuff. We, we do isolate ourselves when we, when we don't have these issues before the Lord and even before one another. Help me, brother. Help me, sister. I'm, I'm struggling. It says for us to come, listen, it says for us to come along each other and to help one another, not to tear anyone down and look at their leprosy, but to come along and see them and help them and love on them. You know what the Bible says? And listen, if you don't hear anything today, remember this. Blessed are the merciful. It's easy to be judgmental. It's easy to look down your nose and say, well, that person has the leprosy they can't see, they can't feel, they're isolated. That's easy. But it's our job and your job, my job, to come alongside of them and display mercy and not judgment. Amen, church? It's a healthy church. But anyway, that's not what this study is about. Thirdly, the consequence is an emotional consequence. And you just, you just, it produces within a person, that person, an absolute desperation. You know, you, you, you just... You know, they know it's incurable. They know they can't go home. There's a sense in, in, these, in their hearts, it is hopelessness. It is just hopelessness. When these ten saw Jesus, and I don't know where they got their faith from. They could have gotten their faith because they heard something he said. They could have gotten their faith because they had heard that there were other people affected with this disease and they were healed. They could have heard a lot of things. But all of a sudden, in their hearts, these ten men affected with this disease, hideous disease... Lion-like face, skin-like leather, stinking, has enough faith to cry out. And this word for cry here is not just a, a loud voice. This is a cry of desperation. Jesus, Master. And they, and they got Jesus' attention. It was a cry of desperation. Well, you and I... Some of us have experienced that, right? We looked at ourselves and we went, man, talk about a leper. <laughs> Here I am. I, have, I can't see. I can't feel anymore. I'm hard-hearted. And 
For me, that cry came in September of 73 in a crazy bedroom, and I cried out just like many of you did today, and all of a sudden, Jesus just said, okay, and he healed me of my spiritual leprosy, just like many of you. You know, we've all seen movies, you know, where um, there's a deserted guy on an island or maybe there was a plane that went down on the side of a mountain and there were survivals or maybe that guy floating around in a raft in the Pacific Ocean and you're there, you're feeling their heart, you're watching, especially when you're a kid and you're going, oh man, can't somebody just fly over? Can, can a ship go by? Can somebody come to their aid? And there comes that plane, right? And you see them getting up and you see them, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're in your living room going, yo, look down, look down at them. That's the kind of cry they had. It wasn't just like, hey, Jesus, can I have your attention for a second? No. I heard somebody in a testimony say to a person who was really down, full of leprosy, spiritual leprosy. And she told him this. She says, the day that you will cry out to him is the day he will come and deliver you. He tells them to go and to show themselves to the priests. Why? Well, back in Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, there was this ceremony called the day of his cleansing. Again, there was three or four chapters just dedicated. What, you, what do you do with a person who comes down with leprosy? What do you do with a building that might have this certain kind of mole? They used to call that also leprosy. What would you do with that house? How would you handle that thing or that thing? And there's all these rules and regulations. But for one person who has been diagnosed with this leprosy they, and, they're, and they're cleansed, they are to present themselves to, to the high priest. They would be thoroughly examined, set aside again, isolated, to watch them for another seven days, re-examined. And if that high priest could not find one spot, one lump, one eyelid missing, if he was totally clean, they would go through this ceremony again called the day of his cleansing. Well, what did that look like? Well, we know that, that according to the scriptures... The priest had to have two birds, two doves, ceremonial, clean doves. He would also have to have a piece of cedar. He was instructed to take some scarlet yarn. He was also instructed to have some hyssop there. Now, talk about, I don't mean to get off track here, but talk about um, similarities or Allegories. I mean, think about that. The yarn, the hyssop, the blood. The, uh, I mean, it's such a picture of what Jesus had done on the cross for us. I'll get back to that for, in a second. He's also to have uh, two earthen vessels, two jar, uh, clay jars. No, no, I'm sorry, one vessel. And we would call them pots today, just one. He was to fill that with living water. Now, living water. He did not go down to the spring. He would not go to some water that might be in the temple area. He had to find water that was running because they understood that to be, listen carefully, living water. And again, talk about the typology. The Holy Spirit is our living water. Amen, guys? 
He doesn't want us just to go to some stagnant little pool. He wants us to come to him and ask him, Lord, fill me with living water. He's to take one of the doves and he's to sacrifice that dove. And I think about our dove, our Jesus, who was sacrificed for us. The second dove, well, then he would take that sacrifice dove and he would set that aside. And when I read that, I thought, okay, that's like Jesus being set aside in the tomb. Then he would take the blood of that sacrifice dove and put it in the living water. Well, when I see blood and water, automatically I go right to what happened that day on Calvary when the Roman centurion thrust his spear under his whip cage and he, he punctured the pericardium and all that water and blood just flowed out. I'm going, oh my goodness, all the way back in Leviticus, they were beginning to get pictures of this. Doves that are dying, doves that are being set aside, doves that are going to be sprinkled with blood and then released, blood that's going to come upon the leper. He's going to be declared clean. I just see a beautiful picture of what Jesus has done to you and I as spiritual lepers. Amen, guys? He has cleansed us. And he said, and I see the one dove that's released back up into the heavens. Because that dove does not belong in an earthen vessel. Neither did our Jesus belong in an earthen vessel to remain there. No, he ascended on high. Taking sin with him. You know, Jesus looks at these men and he sees them men of faith. He sees them as men who were obedient. He sees that they're committed to what he had asked them to do. And he had to have some, some kind of faith for them to stand there and cry out to Jesus from a great distance. A great distance. In verse 15 he says, and one of them when he saw that he was healed, he returned, and with a loud voice he glorified God. He fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And then the Holy Spirit just wants us to know that, and he is a Samaritan. There's just five little words there. He was a Samaritan. Now again, if you've taken your journey through the scriptures, you know the Hebrews were at odds with the Samaritans, they were considered half-breeds. They're considered, you know, they wouldn't even go through the land of Samaria. And if they had to, they would brush off the dust of their feet to just show their despise towards the Samaritan. See, that's one thing that will bring together religious, non-religious, whatever, is a disease like this. They were almost forced to live together. But to me, this is a glorious, a tremendous picture. They, they see Jesus from a great way off. They cry out, you know, Jesus, Master. He commands them, go show yourself to the priest. But here comes a guy, just one out of the, out of the ten, who will come. And he will show complete gratitude to Jesus. Please listen. Remember how I started this off? You know, I just wish he would show a little gratitude. Gang, is it possible that can be a, 
an issue with us when it comes to our gratitude and our thanks, thankfulness, when it comes to our Lord, all he's, all he's done for us. I can honestly tell you that I have never skipped a beat on this one. I skipped a beat on a lot of others, but I know what I was like in my BC days. I know how much, I don't think I would have ever lived in my third, I think I would have been dead with the course I was taking. I know my older brother would have been. We would have been dead. And to have God just say, you know, the day that you cry out to me, Harry. And I cried out that day. And my life was flipped upside down for Jesus. I have never once stopped thanking him for at least saving me. And washing me in his blood. And sprinkling his blood on me. And setting one dove free. And sacrificing the other. For me, my Jesus if you just for just one split second before we go any further, if you really know that you're saved, ask yourself, am I thankful for that? Am I, I have gratitude. Verse 17, so Jesus answered and he said, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Were there, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner, this Samaritan? I don't know who he said that to, to be honest with you. Some have speculated, well, maybe it was the 12 disciples. Well, it could have been. Maybe it was just the people who have congregated around him. But Moody on this, D.L. Moody, an old-timer, you know, an evangelist, he said, in reference to this, that he was saying it under his breath. He was saying it to himself. Didn't I heal ten? And yet, only one comes back. You know, what, what, what is that about? The one thing that this tells me, though, instead of just being a kind of a negative thing though it is very negative and we see that it affected Jesus but what this tells me is that he sees gratitude he sees he experienced thankfulness and you know what and he even sees it when it's just one person it doesn't have to be all ten he notices but on the other hand he still notices the nine that's not thankful and doesn't show any gratitude at all Again, I had said, he saw their faith, he, he saw their obedience. But the thing that just, and I, I need you to just listen to this, the thing that, it, that marred our Lord's experience with all this was there was a lack of thankfulness. There was a lack, could he, could he not, could they not come back and glorify God? Now listen, don't miss this. They were still healed. Even though the nine didn't come back and show appreciation, gratitude, thankfulness, they were still healed. But there's something in that one guy that I think you and I, when we look at this guy, and if we're honest with ourselves, we're going to do this. We're either going to say, you know what, Harry, man, you've hit it right on the head here. You know, I have been walking with Jesus. I've got a lot of knowledge of the Bible like the Hebrews, you know, and I've grown so old in the Lord now. You know, you're right. I'm taking him for granted. 
I don't sit down and thank him for that. I say our, you know, our prayers at, at the dinner table, right? It's almost mechanical anymore, isn't it? I had a good friend. His name was Rick. And I remember he just got saved. Just got saved. And he was at our house and uh, he was, uh, I said, Rick, would you like to thank the Lord for the food? He goes, yeah, love to. You know, he's a biker kid guy. He just kind of burned. And I go, okay, go ahead, man. And I, I'm going, oh, Lord, please help this. <laughs> you know. And all I heard was, thanks. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Look at this. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> I remember that today, and it's been 50, 20 years ago. He loves to hear it from us, folks. He loves it. Without it, it mars something from us. The Bible says that we are to bless the Lord. We're to give, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We are to sing every day, every money, if we, uh, every, every moment if we can. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within it. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord. That should be our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the valleys. And thank you for the, the high tops. Thank you for meeting my needs. Oh, I'm struggling right now. Thank you because you said you'll provide for me. Thank you. Thank you. And show your gratitude. Because that's what blesses him. Anything else? You know, when you go through anything in life, whatever it is, ask him if your actions are showing thankfulness and gratitude. Just ask him that. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be called the children of God. And that's who you are. Amen? Amen. Man, I don't even know where I am in my notes now. <laughs> now, you know what? <clears throat> I'm going to... I'm just going to go today. And let me close with verse 19. Verse 19, he says, Arise and go your way. He's talking to the man who came back and was thankful. Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. He comes back. He's thanking God for his mercy. Jesus, you know, is blessed you know, he's just thankful for this one who did come back and thank him. Um, but to be real honest with you, I'm not really sure what this verse, I know what it says. I know he's telling them to go away and faith. But I'm not sure what was healed. Some scholars really believe that when Jesus told the ten, go ahead Go show yourself to the priest as they turned the corner and making their travels to the priest. They were healed supernaturally, miraculously, just by, by his mercy, and they're healed. But this guy comes back, and he throws himself down at the Lord's feet, and he says, thank you for just doing this. And, of course, Jesus questions about the nine. But for this guy, he goes, get up, get up now. Go. Your faith has made you well. I just wonder... Because he came back with a thankful heart, if he just didn't receive something extra. Boy, what happened? Did all of a sudden he, 
he starts feeling his face, and oh my goodness, there's a nose now. My ears are back, my fingertips, I can feel them again. You know, sometimes I think, am I cheating myself? Are we cheating ourselves? When we begin to take the Lord for granted, we got all the knowledge of him. We've been doing this Christian thing for a long time. We know all the Christian, you know, Christianese language, and we got all this, and you know, he'll do miracles large and small, and we just take him for granted and all. I wonder if we're just cutting ourselves short. Listen, I wonder if we would get together from time to time and just said, you know what, gang? We need to be a thankful people. So without any worship up here, without any of this or that, let's stand, let's put our hands up together, and let's say, say, thank you together as God's kids. Would we do that today? Well, stand with me and let's do it. Come on, let's thank him. Put your hands up and just say, thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you today, God. We thank you for your love, your mercy, your goodness, God. Thanks for this building, Lord. Thank you for our family. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. Get real. Boy, I'll hear this from Joe to next week. Listen, listen. Let me talk to you about worship now. We love, you can sit. We love to worship, don't we? Don't we love to sing? We do. I do. I'm going to tell you something, though, gang. That's the greatest opportunity to say thanks to Jesus when you worship. Well, I kind of had a horrible morning, and I got, come on, leave that outside when you come. You know, just cast that care upon Jesus. Come in here. And just tell yourself. Oh, what, you want me to talk? David talked to himself all the time. Bless the Lord, all my soul. And bless, you know, he always did that. And just say, self, we're going in and we're going to go thank Jesus this morning. And that's why I love the songs that are directed to Jesus. We're not singing about Jesus. We're singing to Jesus. And even sometimes these, and I love music. Oh, I love, I adore, I love singing, but I destroy people who can hear me. But I love to sing, you know. And that's why I'm a front row person, by the way. I love sitting on the front row. When, when Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia was in that mall, the seats were all the way right up to the stage. Erm and I'd be right up front with our feet right on there, and we'd be worship. Plus, if no one's in front of you, you don't hurt anyone. You can sing all you want, right? So here's what I recommend. You with me, church? All right, you're afraid to sing out loud. You don't even sing in the shower for crying out loud, let alone you're going to come to church and sing. Now listen, you come, you're new... And you know, you really don't know what to expect. People are shaking your hand. Your wrist is ready to fall out. I mean, one more person. And now we got to do the hug thing. Oh, now people are hugging me, you know. And then it gets worse. We start to sing. Look at them sing. They're singing loud. They got hands up in the air. What's all this about? Who's the guy in the flip-flops and the shorts, you know. And it starts to weird, weird people out. So, well, I get that. Slow down. Come in and mouth it. Mouth it. Then start whispering it. And before you know it, it'll get a little louder, you know, and we'll turn the volume up. If you're too bad, we'll turn the volume out. We'll drown you out. But listen, I want you to sing. Church, come on, kids, listen to me. Sing unto the Lord. That's what the word says. Make a joyful sound. We are called by God's people to be thankful, filled with gratitude. And when you are, you're going to go home leaving this place as a blessed person. You know why? Because you blessed him. 
Oh, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Let's stand.